are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, today's show will be joined by Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns. The Phoenix Suns make yet another blockbuster deal to bring Washington Wizards star Bradley Beal to the desert, pairing him with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. What will the rest of the deal ultimately look like with Chris Paul being the main piece going back out from the Suns? And what does it mean for the Suns' title chances going forward? Then we'll be joined by Walker Mail from Locked On Hornets as the Charlotte Hornets hold the keys to the NBA draft with the number two pick and their decision between Scoot Anderson and Brandon Miller or possibly trading the pick altogether, plus what it means now that Michael Jordan has officially sold his majority ownership stake in the Hornets. Lastly, we'll be joined by Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans are reportedly aggressively trying to trade up to pick two or three to secure Scoot Henderson themselves, with Zion Williamson's names being thrown around in trade talks. How much longer will Zion be a Pelican for, even if he's not dealt for a top pick in this year's draft? Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on NBA part of your day every single day, making it your first listen, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Joining us now is the host of Locked on Suns, Brendan Clean. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked on Suns and Bradley Beal is headed to the Phoenix Suns. Not official yet, but the framework is in place for a new big three to be formed in Phoenix with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal. Brendan, just your immediate reaction to this bombshell news that we got Sunday afternoon. Immediate reaction was that I was uh, uh, an idiot. I I thought this had no chance of happening. I think I undersold that the power of a no-trade clause is huge and Bradley Beal wanting to come to the Suns just like Kevin Durant before him who didn't technically have a no trade clause but he's Kevin Durant so you tend to do what he wants you to do it mattered and it mattered again here and so the Suns now have two of these guys they actually just traded the original guy they got via trade for Bradley Beal in the form of Chris Paul so this team has kept us guessing they tend to get guys in this era under James Jones and their new ownership and playing alongside Devin Booker. And this is the all in move of all in moves. We'll see how it pans out, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that you, you already had the all in move going after Kevin Durant. And then somehow you pull like a bunny out of a hat with a second all in move, bringing in Bradley Beal to the framework. The expected framework is something along the lines of Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, multiple second round picks and pick swaps. I mean, at that point, this is pretty incredible value. Don't you think given the fact that they were kind of at this crossroads with Chris Paul, with the reporting that maybe they were going to waive him or try and trade him to be able to say you turned Chris Paul into another star in Bradley Beal, despite whatever you might think about the contract that Beal is on is pretty solid work. It absolutely is. And I think that's really where you have to look at it from, because at the end of the day, when you call this team thin and there's, there's going to be criticism, there's going to be, I think some shock when people see, you know, how they fill out this team and and maybe the the thin way that they're able to do that, 
that was going to be the case either way. And so you're right to say that the Durant trade already was their all-in move. And I just got used to thinking of Durant as a son. And now there's there's yet another one here. But it's it's because they did not have, you can imagine a world, you can dream up a third option or you know some sort of role player, high-level role player to put next to Durant, Booker, and Aiton. Or Durant, Booker, and whatever Aiton gets turned into in a separate trade. Like, that's hypothetically awesome. But unless you tell me who that guy was going to be, then going and getting Bradley Beal, even though he costs $43 million this year and all the way up to almost 60 in a few years, you start to realize that might just be their best move. You know, forget the other ramifications from a cap standpoint. We were talking about Chris Paul being waived, being stretched, being just disposed of so the Suns could get access to their mid-level exception, which is $12 million. And who knows what they were going to get with that? Probably not somebody as good as Bradley Beal. So this team was going to be thin regardless. This move was the best thing available to them based on the limited resources that they had. And when you look at it from that standpoint, getting an all-NBA caliber, all-star caliber player for all that feels pretty good. And it's kind of weird in in this era where seemingly most teams have kind of gone away from the, you know, the era of the big three, right, which is what we had around the NBA landscape for years. Now you have a team that has kind of doubled down on this identity of having a big three of being an incredibly top heavy team with Beal, Booker and Kevin Durant. I, I think my immediate reaction kind of is thinking, you know, how does this work from an offensive perspective just because you've given up now what was your point guard, your floor general, and yeah. Booker and Beal can both play make a little bit, but you don't think of either of those guys as natural like floor generals. No, you don't. I I don't um I don't think this deal gets done unless Booker without Booker's performance this postseason. And if anyone watched the Suns in the first round against the Clippers or against the, the Nuggets in the second round, you saw Devin Booker basically already becoming the point guard of this team. Even when Chris Paul was healthy, which he was for the first seven games of their run out of uh what well, eleven he was handling the ball. He was running pick and rolls. Booker was actually dishing to Chris Paul for spot-up threes. Their roles were completely inverted, and so I think the Suns felt comfortable of, well, we just saw him do it. Bradley Beal is an even better shooter than Chris Paul, uh, another guy who can handle the ball, and this is how the NBA kind of works these days on offense. There really aren't a lot of guys like Chris Paul. There aren't you know, traditional point guards. I don't even know what that word will mean in five years. Who's that going to look, you know, who is that going to be? The best teams in the league, Steph Curry is the primary kind of ball handler scorer, or it's Jason Tatum, or it's Jimmy Butler, who has Gabe Vincent as his point guard, or it's, you know, Nikola Jokic with Jamal Murray as somebody who we thought of as a two guard coming in. And, and he's technically their one now, but not really. Like that's the way that a lot of these other great teams are built. It's going to look weird. It's going to take some getting used to. I think Beal in particular is going to really need to up his three-point volume. That's something that despite being an awesome shooter, he hasn't really done enough. So there will be growing pains. There will be adjustments. There will be sacrifices that need to be made. But I actually think this gets the Suns closer to how most teams already look, even if we thought they were going to be filling the Chris Paul void. They did it just in a more modern way, I would say. And being able to kind of make those adjustments and have the growing pains, right? It's much different being able to make this uh, the second all-in move, if you will, in the offseason and have the time to yeah. actually coalesce as a group rather than the on-the-fly situation that they had with Kevin Durant this past season, right? You don't have to try and piece things together in the middle of an already daunting NBA schedule, 82-game slog, all of that. 
We also look at this from the perspective of they still got to figure out what they're going to do with DeAndre Ayton, whether or not he's a part of this picture moving forward or not. But right now they've got about $160 million committed to four guys. In the era where teams are kind of preparing and shying away from the intense penalties of that new secondary luxury luxury tax apron that's going to go into effect down the line with the new CBA implications, all that. What does this say about Matt Ishbia and the fact that he was just like, no, we're going all in and we're going to spend for all this top level talent. We don't care about the penalties or the ramifications. Yeah, this is an arrow we thought that teams wouldn't want to have three max players. Now the Suns went ahead and got four. <laughs> I, I just, I think that what it says about Matt Ishbia is one, DeAndre may be getting traded soon. Uh, and that might be Matt Ishbia knowing that and James Jones, the president of basketball operations, knowing that. So if we talk in a week, maybe we feel a little differently about how this all looks. But in the meantime, I just think it's again, last summer, the sun, well, they got Duran at the deadline. They thought they were going to get him last summer. They signed Evan Booker to a super max extension last summer. They maxed DeAndre Ayton when they matched the offer sheet that he was signed to by the Indiana Pacers. That all happened. And so you deal with whatever comes next from there. And, and so the Suns had what they had. And again, if you could have gotten a third awesome role player, the, you know, I, I, whoever you want to point to from kind of that, that motley crew of Lakers players that they were able to put together around LeBron and AD the year they won the championship, KCP or Kyle Kuzma or Alex Caruso. It'd be awesome to dream up a world where the Suns got those guys. But in this case, the best option they had with the trade, no trade clause and him wanting to come to Phoenix and the deal being right there and sitting in their laps was to get somebody who happened to make $43 million. So the Suns will always have pivot opportunities. They can trade Beal. He's only 30. They could trade Booker. He's only 26. Those guys will have trade value. But for now, they just have a really good team with a lot of talent, and they got to figure out how to get those minimum signings to really nail those and, and actually get some depth here. But they're going to be among the contenders in a bigger way than they would have otherwise. What ultimately happens in Phoenix? How does the deal ultimately pan out? And are the Suns maybe now in that title contention favorite discussion for next season with this move alone? You're going to have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Suns. Brendan, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Thanks, Jackson. Coming up, the Charlotte Hornets hold the keys to the NBA draft with the second overall pick. Will they choose Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, or trade the pick altogether? Plus, Michael Jordan selling his ownership stake in the Hornets. What that means moving forward for the organization. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Look, we're always throwing money at something, kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on and on and on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip you make with Ibotta. It gives you the cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that simple. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED.
And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thanks for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Be sure to stay tuned in all throughout the week and in the lead up to the NBA draft as we have you covered for all of the NBA draft action right here at Locked On NBA. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Hornets, Walker Mail. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Hornets. And the Hornets kind of holding the keys to the NBA draft here with the number two overall pick, but kind of some big news that may impact what ultimately happens with that number two overall pick. Michael Jordan selling his majority ownership of the Hornets. We're actually going to start there because Scoo Henderson and Brandon Miller were slated to come back for for their final round of interviews, examinations, whatever, with the Hornets. And MJ was supposed to be in attendance for that, Walker. First, is that still planning to happen? Is MJ still going to be a part of that process despite the sale of the team? Yes, he is. Yeah. And so it was the whole thing is so weird. The timing is all very weird. But Jonathan Gavoni joined Zach Lowe a couple of days before the report came in and said, we could expect this sale to be final within the next couple of days, which I always thought the timing was weird, but at least there were breadcrumbs to lead you to this trail. Yes, Michael Jordan is going to be the guy that is still head of basketball operations through this draft process. And he's also going to be in, in, um, in charge during free agency. As soon as it starts July 1st, he's going to be at the head throughout that process. Then I think it'll take over with Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, two minority owners, one with the Hornets and Plotkin, one with the Hawks and Rick Schnall. Then those guys will take over there on after. But as far as the process goes for this offseason, I think nothing really changes that much. Michael Jordan is still expected to meet with Brandon and Scoot one last time, one last session of workouts for both of them. Monday, tomorrow is when it's expected to all take place. So, yeah, as far as this offseason, Michael, he's still going to be the lead guy. And, well, the Hornets have this huge decision to make here, and it doesn't really seem like anybody knows what's going to happen because you've no. got Scoot Henderson, you've got Brandon Miller. Clearly, they're torn between the two. They're bringing him in for final workouts, trying to figure that. And then you've got mystery box, you know, mystery door number three, if you will, with all the reporting of all the different various teams that are interested in potentially trading up so that they can get their hands on one of Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. So let's start with that final option first the likelihood, the possibility of the Hornets actually dealing this pick, what would something have to look like for the Hornets to be willing to budge on this pick and not actually make that selection themselves? Uh, Jackson, there have been so many rumors on every single account. I, I quite literally can't keep up with it anymore. It's been ridiculous. So many people have said the Hornets are going to take Brandon. There have been reports about them being legitimately interested in Zion Williamson, certainly for the Pelicans point of view, that they would be willing to deal Zion in a trade to move up for number two. I think it's going to be really hard to agree on value here because there are some reports, too, that the Hornets would be more interested in Brandon Ingram. You would give that because of the health, right? Maybe the ceiling isn't as high, but also a really good year for him, even with a tiny bit of an injury history himself. Not to the extent, of course, that Zion Williamson has experienced. I, I'm just kind of fascinated because it's hard to agree on a value. Do the Pelicans think they're giving up the most? Or do the Hornets think they're giving up the most and they want something else in return? I mean, I've seen Trey Murphy and Zion in mock trades. I've seen the number two pick and the Hornets actually giving something else up to go get Zion 
So I think it's going to be really hard to agree on that, especially if the Pelicans are more inclined to keep Brandon Ingram, and that's not a guy that's uh, that's in the process. I don't know who else, especially with Bradley Beal rumblings. I don't know, however, however really much the Charlotte Hornets were involved in any Bradley Beal potential trades, but now that he's with the Suns, you can certainly take that off of the table. I don't think this. De- I don't think any trade happens. I don't. I think the Hornets will be selecting at number two on draft night, and I cannot tell you who they're going to select yet. I do know it's going to be between Brandon and Scoot, as the reportings have suggested. So then let's go with what, what's the elevator pitch for each of these guys and how they would potentially factor into what the Hornets are trying to accomplish. Well, and Brandon Miller is the cleanest fit, and I think that's why it's a lot easier for us to wrap our heads around the idea of him being the number two selection. 6'9 guy that can play out on the wing, especially if Gordon Hayward's in the last year of his contract and Miles Bridges don't know what his future is going to hold. We do know he's going to miss the next 10 games of next season after having already served 20 games in this 30-game suspension. Very weird, I know. This is the NBA suspension decision. But all of that is the case here. It's easy to see Brandon Miller coming in and seamlessly fitting with this roster. Can clearly shoot. We know all the strengths of Brandon Miller being a tall dead eye shooter that was awesome in the regular season even if it wasn't a great ncaa tournament you're hoping the injury is carrying a lot of weight there with scoot i think a lot of evaluators or at least front office execs might try to pin brandon to charlotte because scoot doesn't fit all that well i completely disagree with that notion i said it in the mock draft i still have the hornets taking scoot henderson that's who i think would be i just think he's the better prospect And not only do I think it's not a bad fit, I think it's actually a great fit with LaMelo. I I go the complete opposite way. Scoot can provide the rim pressure that LaMelo doesn't provide right now. LaMelo is a great shooter, so off-ball, he can really help. And there's this notion, too, that Scoot is just a flat-out bad off-ball player. I think he's really good at cutting. I think he didn't do it a lot because G League Ignite is going to ask the point guard prospect, one of the best guard prospects we've seen in the last 10 years, to play with the basketball in his hands quite a bit. But with him cutting, I can see instances of LaMelo driving, kicking out to Scoot, defenses rotating and not being able to stay in front of him because he's already going to be one of the better athletes as soon as he steps out onto the NBA court. And I think the shot can come along. So I think both of those guys complement each other in a lot of different areas. And if he's the better, if he has the higher ceiling, which I do think he does as a guard prospect. I question Brandon Miller's handles a little bit. I think tight defense is going to hurt him as far as being an isolator. That's why I would go skewed. But those are the sales pitches for both of them. And we'll see what the Hornets end up doing because I know they are kind of torn between these guys. Man, well, at least it it sounds like Scoot Henderson has the vote of confidence from Locked On Hornets themselves. I know we spoke about MJ, his sale a a little bit earlier, but before we get you out of here, Walker, I I mean – Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, when you take the 10,000 foot view of this, what does it mean that he is, you know, selling his stake, you know, his ownership stake for the Hornets, at least going forward once the other owners do take over? It's a great question. I think a lot of people have talked about Michael Jordan's tenure. It's it's not been a good one. There's no doubt about it. He took over in 2010. The Charlotte Bobcats at that time were they're certainly one of the worst sports franchises ever. The Bobcats are. They still are the same, despite us bringing the Hornets back. And that matters a lot to this city. The second iteration, ever since the first franchise went down to New Orleans and became the Pelicans, that team mattered a lot. It's crazy to think that that team was actually selling out their arena as much as any arena in the NBA. They were beloved. 
So one thing that Michael did that he helped with was bring back the Hornets nickname. Unfortunately, not a lot of winning took place here. The Bobcats only went to the postseason a couple of times. The Hornets last made the playoffs in 2015-2016. They lost in the seven-game series to Miami, and that's the furthest they've been in the Michael Jordan era. It's been really tough. I think philanthropically, Michael has mattered a lot within the local community, especially with a lot of poverty-stricken areas in town. I think he cares, right? We can all remember the last dance when Michael, you know, we can all remember his Republicans buy sneakers to comment. And there was a lot of criticism about him not giving to charity nearly as much. But this guy is someone that's crying at the grand opening of Novant Health Clinics here in the city of Charlotte. Poverty-stricken areas, local community, and even nationally, Michael has been really philanthropically involved. I think that part really matters. And no, it didn't bring a lot of wins. And I can't call you, I can't call this a successful tenure for Michael as an owner by any stretch of the imagination. And a lot of think pieces are going to be written about that. And you can go read them very easily. You can access those a lot. What I don't think is out there a lot is how much of an impact MJ provided for the community. And that's why I kind of been spreading that message for the most part. Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, which one of them will ultimately be a member of the Charlotte Hornets? What's the next chapter in Hornets basketball going to look like without MJ? You'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Hornets. Walker, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Yeah, it's been fun, man. Thank you. Coming up, the New Orleans Pelicans are aggressively trying to trade up in this year's NBA draft to secure Scoot Henderson for themselves. With Zion's name being thrown around in trade talks, how much longer will Zion be a Pelican for, even if he's not dealt for a top pick in this year's draft? We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players and they score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. They've got you covered for all the action over at prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That means if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit 50 bucks, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thanks so much for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Pelicans, Jake Madison. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Pelicans. And Jake, Sham Sharania dropping some pretty big news this past week that the Pelicans are aggressively looking to trade up to draft Scoot Henderson in this year's NBA draft. Let's start right there. What would a deal even begin to look like for the Pelicans to move up to two or three to be able to select Scoot Henderson? Look, Scoot's a guy they really like and zeroed in early on in the draft process as someone that they think could you could build a franchise around, truly. So anyone who, in most draft heads, I think feel he's really good too, and this is a guy that could be the number one overall pick in any other draft, which is all to say that 
any sort of trade is going to have to involve either Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram. Yes, the Pelicans have other picks from the Drew Holiday trade to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Anthony Davis trade to the Los Angeles Lakers. But let's be realistic in this draft. It's not going to be a package of five mid first round picks at best that's going to get you to move up to number two. This is going to be something that involves a star named player with Charlotte looking to be more competitive right away. And that means you're going to be looking at Zion or Brandon Ingram. Obviously, it kind of depends on what direction Charlotte ultimately wants to go with the number two pick. They kind of have the keys here and they're driving the car. But which team is a better trade partner in your eyes for the Pelicans, right? Does it make more sense? Is Charlotte the better partner or is Portland the better partner? You know, this is not about trading up to two or three and just getting a higher draft pick than the 14th overall pick they have right now. Like this hinges on Scoot Henderson. If Scoot Henderson is taken to, there's no deal done, you know, getting done with Portland. And so a deal with Portland, who's at three, would really only be if they are on the clock and Charlotte took Brandon Miller at number two. So this hinges on Scoot Henderson entirely. To be safe, you've got to trade with Charlotte, right? You can't trade, you know, say tomorrow before Thursday with Portland and then someone else swoop in and trade with Charlotte. And now you're stuck with the third pick and a player you don't particularly want. So this is something that's kind of Charlotte or bust right now, I think. And I mean, does it look like at this point with the, with those two names, it seems like Charlotte is really kind of targeting, you know, a wing player more so. So I think Brandon Ingram probably is more the guy that they would have their eyes set on. But does it I guess it does it change the calculus there a little bit, right? Does it make it a little bit easier to stomach potentially trading Ingram versus Zion? How do you weigh which guy you'd be more comfortable trading if you're the Pelicans? Right. Like that's kind of the key to all of this. And what is their values around the league? I think everyone looks at Zion Williamson and sees he's the more talented player, right? He's got an MVP level ceiling and all NBA level ceiling. This is a guy who, when he plays is completely dominant, but the key is there when he plays, he's played 29 games in the past two years combined. That's not particularly great. And I think that's something that's scaring off a lot of other teams. So do you go the safer route? Do you trade for a guy like Brandon Ingram, who's made one all-star game, doesn't really get in the consideration for any of the all NBA NBA teams, isn't as good as Zion Williamson, but plays more. And that's a position of need on the wing, a wing go-to score. There's some Kevin Durant to his game. You know, he's also a hometown guy for Charlotte, more or less, bringing him in there maybe as a way to sell your fans on the project and whatever it is that they're doing there. But you also have injury concerns with him. He's only played 60% of games the past two seasons. So there's injury concerns all around and it makes it tough to figure out the values for either of these two guys. I think most people hear Zion Williamson in a trade and you view him as the centerpiece of that and everything else is kind of ancillary, but maybe Charlotte's looking at that and is like, no, the two picks way more valuable than Zion Williamson right now. And ultimately I think that says that it's going to be tough to get a deal done when the valuations for these guys are all over the place like that. Yeah, it's it's really tough to kind of pinpoint how to quantify some of these values. But, you know, starting looking at, you know, whether it's Zion, whether it's Ingram as maybe the centerpiece for a deal here, how much becomes too much to give up for Scoot Henderson? You talk about him as a, you know, potential franchise guy, franchise altering type talent. How much would be too much to try and trade up to acquire him? 
Yeah, I, t- I actually talked about this on my show the other day. Of I do think there's breaking points here. And if you listen to the Locked On Hornets podcast, they were saying that for the second overall pick, you need a Rudy Gobert type of package. And I just cannot imagine the Pelicans giving up close to six first round picks or something alongside Zion Williamson or Brand Ingram. You know, you'd need to include a guy like Herb Jones, maybe Trey Murphy, who looks like he could be a breakout star, plus four more first round pick picks, plus the 14th pick in this upcoming draft that just feels too rich for a Pelicans team that does feel good about their roster you know there's a couple of reasons they're doing this along you know in part because of an upcoming salary cap crunch in two years but they don't need to make a move right now so I think that if the price gets too high they're just going to back away and go hey we were first in the west in December you know if our guys stay healthy and that's that's a big if we feel pretty good about where we'll finish in the west maybe in the top four this is a team they feel can be competitive so if the price gets too high they're going to walk away from a deal even if it's not in a deal for the second overall pick to take scoot henderson whatever it feels like the pelicans are maybe kind of approaching a crossroads with zion right the health issues the off the court drama i mean is it time for new orleans to seriously consider moving zion and and what would even what would a adequate return even look like at this point for zion even if it's not for scoot henderson You know, I think these rumors are coming up for three reasons. You know, the first is that salary cap crunch coming in two years. This is one of two franchises that's never paid the luxury tax, and there's no way to avoid it, basically in a year. And so if they want to be competitive and all of a sudden you're spending an extra $50 million, I don't know if that's something that the franchise can really stomach. So it's better to get ahead of that type of situation than the year it's got to happen, because otherwise you lose leverage in trade negotiations and your backs are up against the wall. I also think this is coming up because they just really do like Scoot Henderson. This is a guy that they think can be kind of your franchise cornerstone, a guy that you can build a culture around. And then that ties into what you had just said. They're a little fed up with some of the stuff around Zion Williamson and to a lesser extent, Brandon Ingram, I think. 29 games for Zion over the past two seasons. There's been questions about his commitment. There's been questions about his maturity. There's some off-court drama right now, which really shouldn't impact what they do with him, but maybe factors into the calculus a little bit. And it's just always something. And for a small market team that wants to be competitive, that's a big risk to have out there. So is it better to move on from someone like that for a little bit more consistency? He should still fetch a very high return. His extension kicks in right now. He's 22 years old and there's a five-year deal in place for him. That's not something you necessarily want to give up on. And that should give teams that want to take that risk a lot of assurances that he's not going to bolt after a year or two because Simply, he can't. So for a guy with that much potential at that young of an age, no matter what deal were to get done, the return would be very, very high, you would have to imagine. That's 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 the deal where you get a Rudy Gobert-esque return back, not the probably not the Scoot Henderson trade. What will the Pelicans ultimately do on draft night? How much longer will Zion actually be in New Orleans for? You'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On Pelicans. Jake, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Of course, thanks for having me on. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA Mondays, the biggest stories with the local experts.